Hi, I'm Zach Chase, and welcome to episode 14 of Learning Grounds. Before I intro the episode, just some shameless plugs. If you are listening to Learning Grounds on the regular and think it is a worthwhile conversation and you think, wow, I think more people should be listening to this, go to iTunes, find Learning Grounds in the iTunes store, give us some stars, give us some reviews, and uh, try and get us to a larger audience. Maybe even just talk about us to a friend. Word of mouth. That's fantastic. Speaking of word of mouth, lots of great words coming out of the mouth of... <laughs> Uh, yeah, that happened, uh, of the mouth of Ken M. Libby, who I got to interview for this episode. Ken is a researcher and doc student at CU Boulder, who's also working in the National Education Policy Center. He talked a little bit about his work there and some of the reports he's had a chance to work on. He talked a lot about the current conversation in education and uh, what we're not talking about that maybe we should be. We also, later on in the conversation, skipped to the chance to discuss uh, teacher evaluations and observations in the classroom and how we could use those as more of a tool that is welcomed by teachers and build back some of the goodwill that's been lost in in some of the fire that's happened in the debate in the last decade or so. So if you have a cup of coffee, which you should, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Learning Grounds. <laughs> hey, Ken Libby. Hey, Zach. All right, we'll have a regular conversation as we talk and eat. But who are you? What are you doing here? <laughs> uh, well, I'm a second year graduate student here at C. Boulder House. Um, moved here last year from Portland, Oregon. Um, Boulder's a pretty awesome place to live. I like CU. Um, before that, I uh, uh, had worked as a teaching assistant in a small private school for about a year and a half. And after that, when I got my master's in teaching. Um, and graduated in 2009, sort of right as like the economy was sort of tanking out, and so I remember going to uh, you know, uh, hiring fairs and just seeing stacks of resumes and districts basically saying, "We're not hiring." Are you kidding me? Like we're laying people off. Just chuckles. Or, they just yeah. Emoticons like, came back as you yeah, yeah yeah yeah, and you know having a lot of friends who graduated in the program that um, had to really try to get into it either through. I had a friend go to like Alaska to try to get a job because uh, she really needed to land one, or just friends trying to get jobs doing substitute teaching, um, or you know really getting lucky and finding a district that had the funding to, to hire someone who had a lot of people leaving. So, um, and then in college, I had actually worked as a, a nanny um, or a manny. I was a manny as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a great job. It was a great job, uh, and that was sort of what got me thinking about maybe working with kids even more. I'd done it in high school, too, being a um, uh, sort of camp counselor, um, summer camps, um, and then worked with kids in other capacities as well, and, you know, babysat and done all that, so I've always liked kids. The funny thing is now, of course, my job doesn't have anything to do I was going to say, you're moving working, farther and farther yeah, away from them now. Right, right, not working, like, directly with children, um, which is always, always rough when you, like, move away from that. Um, yeah. So you work, but you're at the, you're with uh, Kevin, right? In the yeah, yeah, NEPC. Yeah. Um, so what do you do in there? Uh, so at NEPC, I pretty much just do, um, you know, sort of uh, assistant kind of first type work. Um, to, you know, help with uh, a couple of different publications. Um, recently, about sort of a report card of grading the states, that yeah. whole genre. Um, and students' first report card. I worked on that with Sherman Dorn. That was actually kind of separate from my work at NUPC, but it was published on NUPC. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also worked with uh, Bruce Baker and Katie Weiland, the other graduate students, on um, 
school finance or, or I guess finances for charter schools, including like the big management organizations, KIPP, Achievement First, um, compared to sort of the districts or the schools in their areas to see sort of how the spending compares. Um, but aside from that, I just see sort of helping out with day-to-day -day stuff. Um, but NEPC's still, it's really small. Um, yeah. So what is your what what? So you're here because you couldn't get a job. <laughs> you could put it that way, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. as so many doctoral students are. <laughs> well, well, actually, the truth is that when I was going through my master's program, um, I figured out reasonably quickly that I was interested. I liked working with kids, and I, I liked to think I was pretty good at it with elementary school kids. Um, but I was really interested in a lot of the bigger sort of or the issues that, that impacted what happened in the classroom without actually being in the classroom. Um, you know, school choice and funding and teacher quality, teaching quality, all that stuff. So you know, that was sort of all on my on my plate. And when I was going through the program, I had to take a, uh, a class on sort of um, educational foundations, um, and that's when I really started to see that you know, sort of what interested me more and really got me like, driven to think more about it. Um, uh, but yeah, also the fact that I cream please. Um, the fact that I wasn't able to get a job certainly sort of like pushed me in that direction too. So, and I suppose I might have been able to land a substitute teaching job, but at the time I was also pretty not interested in doing that right away. Um, so I got a master's degree that cost a lot of money that I, I could, haven't really necessarily used, although I like to think I still use something there. So what, do you, so what are the questions that are driving you here? I mean, um, rounding out your second year, yeah, it's almost time. Uh, I mean, I think in, at least in the stuff that sort of seems to interest me is sort of the ongoing education debates, um, uh, important stuff like school choice, advocacy, um, uh, philanthropy I'm still interested in, um, and I guess... Most of that stuff sort of falls under the umbrella of policy in one form or another. Um, and also just sort of how all of that stuff happens within the context of, of policy. Uh, I mean, I came into this as, as things, a lot of other things were happening outside of education that were impacting it. So the financial collapse or troubles of 2008-2009 continued on. And, um, you know, to a certain extent, like Occupy happening and increased attention and equality, all that stuff sort of happened around the same time I was getting interested in it. And then you still have even a broader perspective of uh, you know, last 10 years of No Child Left Behind being around, increase in uh, what some people call power philanthropists or venture philanthropists mm -hmm. getting more involved and expanding. Those choice. are much, those are much nicer titles than <laughs> Diane Ravitch <laughs> right, right, chooses right, to right, use. Right, right. So you um, mentioned Sherman Dorn, and I love reading Sherman Dorn, um, partially because he tends, the way he at least frames the things he talked about, are in ways that to me sound like, oh, here's the thing we're not talking about, or here are the conversations we're not having. Mm -hmm. What do you, what are the conversations we're not having, from your perspective, that we that we should be conversations we're not having. Or maybe where are we putting our focus that we shouldn't as much? Sorry, say that again. Where is the national conversation putting its focus? Mm. 
that it shouldn't so much. Hmm. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, I don't know if you listened to the episode with Jose. Okay, but I, he also he did a lot of that, and then realized I'm not great at softball questions. <laughs> Tell me the thing that is worst about going, that's what's going on right now in education. <laughs> I mean, I guess, in some ways, I think more important than the conversations that we do or don't have is the, sometimes the way that we have them. So it's not hard to find it's pretty extreme examples of polarization. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to a certain extent, I think that's kind of understandable because there's some pretty significant disagreements. But a lot of times, it's less of a disagreement than just a giant shouting match. So how would you ship that then? Oh, I mean, yeah. Part of the the problem I see is that the people who are having both of those arguments are being kind of educated uh-huh. and made aware by people who are having those arguments before them, and so it's you're inheriting the style of conversation mm-hmm. of the people who went before you, mm-hmm. right? Like we're never going to find common ground because we learn from people who are never going to find common ground. Yep, yep. And to a certain extent, I think there's. Uh, I mean, I don't need to like name names or anything, but I think to a certain extent, like people enjoy sort of the theater of the debate, right? Less about the actual debate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's necessary too, right? Like yeah, we in need, some ways, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you raise profile, mm-hmm. right, 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 right. But as um, horribly as I think the conversation is going, mm-hmm. it is a much more dom- prominent conversation than it was. Like five years ago, when we were all saying, "I wish we could have a national conversation about education." Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. We've got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sadly, you're not as loud as you thought you would, <laughs> you would be. Our other people have opinions too. Yeah, and yeah. I just don't think we were ready for that. Right, right. Um, yeah, I think there's just a lot of in in the last couple of years. I think it's been sort of exacerbated in some ways by the the high profile movies, or I guess not even that high profile, but. Uh, you know, waiting for Superman got a lot of attention. It's pretty firmly in certain, in favor of certain policies. With, I mean, I guess it's a movie, so you don't expect a huge. No, it was a movie that purported to be a documentary. Right, 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 right. And that was the problem. I think if it was more of a, and I and I guess it was a documentary, but there was enough, there was enough stuff going on there that, um, you know, maybe that's one of the topics that you don't want to tackle the whole education system in an hour and a half. Um, it's more complex than that. Uh huh. <laughs> Amazingly, um, I mean, maybe you could tackle one topic or one geographic location, but but maybe that's the conversation we're not having that we mm-hmm. should, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think every study that comes out feels as though we're oh, I found this silver bullet. No, it's over here. Mm-hmm. No, this is what we need to do. And there's mm-hmm. I haven't seen anyone who's really talked about education as a complex system with multiple inputs mm-hmm. and multiple goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, that sort of brings up the idea of, I think there's still a disagreement, and well, of course there's still disagreement about what schools should do right. and what their role is. And so sometimes people are having discussions that's it's just, they're literally talking about different things. <laughs> so what do you think the role of school should be? Hmm. Uh... I, I mean, I tend to think that it's a combination of 
certainly preparing people to live in our society and live in our sort of our government structure. Uh, and then I think a lot of people would say it's so important to have it something that's sort of not like job training, but preparing you to be uh, a participant in our economy. Right. Um, Which I wouldn't see as. I mean that that seems to be under the umbrella of existing in our and being productive in our society. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. When I talk about educating students for citizenship. I, I imagine that citizenship including helping to produce and mm -hmm. participate and, and grow these systems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but not, but it's, if you only take that one facet, right, if all you right. say is college and career ready, for instance, right. 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 then right. you've <clears throat> yep. implied not these other things. Yep. Or yep. if they happen, it's a happy coincidence. Right, 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 right. Not an intentional. Um, so is yeah. there a place that's doing it right? One of the questions no I like to ask. Mm -hmm. is, a, is a way from that deficit like mm -hmm. um, and it's come up a couple of times in classes people saying like oh no one's doing it right and yeah. I feel like I've got at least 10 off the top of my head where I could say oh these people are hmm, not perfect but right mm -hmm. um, I mean I like to think actually that there are, that there probably are a lot of places that are doing things right and mm -hmm. especially there's my guess is that there's a lot of individual classrooms, if not whole schools or whole systems, but a lot of individual classrooms or, or even just days or, or parts of the school year where things seem to go really well. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but I mean, certainly I think when you look at, and, and part of it's, you know, the places that get a lot of attention tend to be huge school districts mm -hmm. that really are, I mean, like New York City's a million students, that's, that's more students than we have all of Colorado statewide. Right. So it's, it's, it's almost silly when people talk about school districts as sort of one big hole because what happens in New York City is going to be so dramatically different than anything that would ever happen here in Colorado. Well, and then what happens in New York City and Manhattan is different than the Bronx. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting because you were talking about, or you were saying about not taking this as wholesale. Right, and that mm -hmm. there are classrooms and schools that are having good days and good weeks, mm -hmm. um, and how hard that is to remember when <laughs> we're talking about these spaces because it's one of the first things when we are criti critical of standardized testing. Mm -hmm. One of the mm -hmm. first things we say, like, this is a test a kid took on this day, mm -hmm. or sadly, across this month, mm -hmm. as, as the case is now. <laughs> but when we talk about systems and buildings and classrooms, we're we're kind of okay with mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. one snapshot, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. like, um, some systems in when I was teaching in Florida, like the walkthrough process on which your evaluation for the year was based, was one lesson, mm -hmm. um, and it was assigned to you, right? Like, here's the day I'm going to be in your class, mm -hmm. and so you could move and, and shuffle things, but if that didn't serve the kids well, you kept it the same place, and then yeah. that day was like. Are you a good teacher or are you a bad teacher? <laughs> so it's the same thing we're doing to kids is, is happening oftentimes to adults. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we don't talk about that very often. <laughs> uh -uh. Or, if, I mean, and I think this is where people who are in favor of, like, uh, uh, value added or something along those lines will say, well, this is, that sort of system is, in, in, is superior to this drop-in and see you one day. Right. So this is showing growth over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, it incorporates all those different things. Uh, so sometimes I just like to, I mean, one of the things that I like to do is try to think like someone different than me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, especially try to think of, uh, you know, what would I, what is sort of the opposite point of view of what I have on this. Mm -hmm. um, uh, 
because I think a lot of people are just quickly dismissive of like what they call reformers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to be like that too, just thinking that, number one, that there were monolithic blocks that sort of all reformers sort of think the same way, and there's actually a lot of differences and disagreements in that side as well. Um, uh, and then also just to think, or to keep in mind that in general, most of the people in education who I disagree with I don't think they're evil, mm-hmm. and there's there's a small number of people who I I think if you look at it from the point of being in favor of a system of public schooling and public finance, there's a small number of people who are explicitly against that. Right. Generally, sort of like libertarian, right? Uh, small government. Government should totally get out of funding of anything. Um, but those people don't necessarily have any interest in talking about what goes on inside the classroom, right? right like this right, is right. our issue. This right. is this is the tent pole. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it's, and then there are some people that think, well, I don't really need to care what goes on inside the classroom because if we create the conditions for the larger school system and schools, mm-hmm. then what happens in the classroom will sort of happen in a way that people think is good mm-hmm. because they self-selected into that sort of environment or um, they want sort of that thing to happen. So some people, I think, just take a very hands-off approach for, to what happens in the classroom. Um, and in some ways... In some ways, I think I'm almost one of those people, partly because I don't feel like I have the expertise to mm-hmm. sort of critique teaching or anything along those lines, with some minor exceptions. I mean, I do have some background. Um, I have spent some time in classrooms. Um, you know, I think I would like to think I know I can recognize horrible, horrible, and really, really excellent. And then in the middle, you know, there's a lot of gray area. Uh, um, but, uh, a lot of gray area that I don't, or, or there's, and this is going back to literally like what's the purpose of school because depending on what you think the purpose of school is, the role of the teacher can change. Right. Um, you know, the role of what looks good versus bad can change. Um, so some of it's just that people have different conceptions still of what that is. And so well, yeah. the danger though becomes, uh, well, I guess if you think uh, of the Hippocratic Oath in mm-hmm. education, mm-hmm. right, in, in the classroom, and first do no harm mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. the rule that, that and that sometimes we stop there, mm-hmm. right? And like, no one's getting hurt in this classroom, right? Right. Mentally, right. physically, emotionally. Right. Let's move on to the next one, mm-hmm. um, because the systems are so large. Mm-hmm. So it's you have so much to keep track of, mm-hmm. and that that's a bit of a danger as well, right? It's it's right. It's deficit model everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. versus oh, we have a surplus of talent right in this right. room. Like, the experiences of the 30 kids who were in this class and the one teacher, wow, the amazing, amazing mm-hmm. understanding of complex community systems and social systems. Mm-hmm. We should maybe draw on that a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd think, you'd think. Um, yeah, schools are definitely an interesting thing. I think the thing that every once in a while I come back to is just that how crazy it is that we have like one of the few places where, in general, most people still sort of go through that system. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 90% of people, I think, at this point in time, send their kids to uh, through the public school system in one shape or another. Um, you know, can't really say that about too many other places in our lives where we come into contact with uh, people who are all using, utilizing the same sort of institutions. So it's not surprising that we have a lot of conflict. <laughs> right. Um, well, and, the, and then the agreement that that is a public good, right? That the, mm-hmm. we do this because it is good for the people. Mm-hmm. And some pretty interesting 
folks throughout history that made that mm -hmm. argument. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but still, sometimes that 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 even that is an argument that still needs to be had in this mm -hmm. day and age mm -hmm. is kind of shocking. And I think, what progress can we make <laughs> if we still have to convince a group of people that it is a public good? Yep. That we invest in education for the or schooling, mm -hmm. not just education. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have a lot harder to go on. <laughs> just getting the money out there is our first step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what would you say? What would you do? You had your druthers, head of a district, <laughs> head of a state education office, head of a federal. Pick a level. What's something you'd do now? Given the, not, I mean, recognizing the limits of your understanding, mm -hmm. as we all have, even as <laughs> even as grad students. <laughs> but like, what's a change you'd like to at least try, even if you weren't entirely certain it would hmm. it would work? I mean, I think, not to like dodge the question, but like part of what our problem still is that we have a lot of people who who want to do just that, <laughs> you know, impose their their own preferred solution. Um, sort of from a top-down point of view. And I'm thinking more of an acknowledging, maybe I'll frame it this way, what's a test you'd like to run? Hmm. What's a program you'd like to see it piloted? Mm. Knowing we can step back from it and make adjustments to it. Well, one of the things that I've, and I actually at one point started writing a blog post about this after having a beer or two one night. Um, best thinking. <laughs> was, uh... I mean, these donuts are also really <laughs> helpful. If you'd had the donuts... <laughs> Um, your brain would be. Did it actually? I think I started thinking about this when, around the same time that, of all people, it was uh, J.P. Green, um, who, who I don't agree with on almost anything, uh, started talking about how it would be interesting if the Gates Foundation sort of split itself in half and sort of competed against itself to see, mm. you know, which side, either Group A or Group B, um, could do a better job. Um, and that they could evaluate themselves that way. And I thought, well, what if the Gates Foundation sort of made this like, um, like almost a grand bargain of uh, sort of unofficially adopting like the Seattle Public Schools. And I mm -hmm. picked Seattle because it's in their geographic region. The foundation is headquartered there. And you're a big fan of Pacific Northwest. <laughs> I like, yeah, like the Pacific Northwest. Seattle's not a bad place to be. Um, you know, what if they sort of adopted that whole area and, and sort of implemented almost a combination of like the broader Boulder approach, which is looking at out-of-school factors in addition to in-school factors um, a lot more closely than probably the other side. Um, so, you know, really tried to, tried to make sure that all um, kids had access to all that dental health, et cetera, care that they needed. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to helping parents find jobs if they needed uh, it might even expand into um, you know, making more stable housing situations for certain kids, um, which incidentally, actually, the foundation has done some of that in Washington State. Um, and I think that's one of the things that could be pretty interesting to see how uh, stabilizing, just stabilizing sort of housing for, for kids who might otherwise be moving around a lot um, could have some pretty big impacts. Um, Sounds like what you're talking about is similar to the Harlem Children's Zone. In some in some yes. respects, right, 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 maybe a little bit more yeah. family stability work. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. not just the parenting, but like jobs and and pieces like that. But mm -hmm. it sounds mm -hmm. 
I'm not going to poke holes in it. Because mm -hmm. I think it's an interesting <laughs> uh, plan. Uh, my question would be, who's, who gets to ask questions? Because mm -hmm. um, uh, thinking about that, it, it, there could be a tendency, and understandably, right? I mean, there's a ton of research that the Gates Foundation is attached to and can point to. And there's a ton of other factors, but me coming at it as a more qualitative kind of guy, mm -hmm. there's still so many things that we can't get our hands on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the, the lack of humility when entering a community is mm -hmm. perhaps my oh, most yeah, 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 yeah. frightening piece of like, right, right, right. We've got these five answers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One well, of them is the right yeah. one for you. And I, and I think part of it would include um, uh, also giving people a lot more say, uh, so this includes generally, um, I, don't, I don't know if there's any one primary stakeholder, but certainly uh, students, parents, teachers, administrators, other community members, um, sort of a say in, or having a lot more control over sort of what are the things that we think we need to do in order to better support our kids. Mm -hmm. um, and it's entirely possible that they would say something like, we don't need more stable housing, right. uh, we don't need jobs. Um, you know, but my guess is that most people would probably say it's, you know, I'm, I'm better able to support my kid when I have employment, um, when I have a source of income, when I don't have to worry about where I'm going to be sleeping at night. Right. Um, it just makes life a little bit simpler right. in sort of doing that sort of stuff. Well, and sometimes you can't see the important because the urgent is right in your face. Right, right, right. right, right, right. right. And so both of them may have equal importance, or one of them is more important but less urgent. If we don't, can't take care of the urgent problems, right? Because mm -hmm. maybe there are some simple solutions to the things we're saying, yeah, but that's not your real problem, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? All right, let's solve the things that are, people see as their real problem mm -hmm. and work to the thing that we would identify as outsiders as, right, as right, the right, real problem. Right, right. No, I think that's, that's always a concern when you have uh, people coming in to say, you know, here's what you should do. Right. Um, and I think that's actually generally sort of true of uh, sort of when we talk educational reform right now in, mm -hmm. in any situation. I mean, one of the areas that I think is somewhat fascinating is this idea of class size. Mm -hmm. So it, as someone who's spent some time in the classroom and who's been in big and small classes, of course I love small class size. Right. Um, and I think the, the one thing that people are sort of on the reform side are... are someone correct about is that well yeah class size may have some sort of impact although oftentimes it sort of goes opposite direction and say it doesn't have any impact at all but this idea that we should pay attention to sort of what the teacher does as well mm -hmm. um, but even just the idea that you know because there will be people who say teacher size or teacher quality is all that matters and some people say you know class size is all that matters and um probably some of the... Well, it probably varies teacher by teacher, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you could have a teacher who says, no, 40 kids, I can make this, this yep. circus yep. run yep. beautifully. Yeah. Well, I've, heard, I've heard teachers who have actually said, it, it, this is limited, so I don't consider research, but teachers who said, you know, if I had 35 students, I would plan my ass off, and I would be extremely prepared. Right. I just said I didn't swear, I just did. That's um, all right. I think we can count that as, <laughs> maybe you were talking about donkey teachers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, you know, the, 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 some of that pressure... I, I suppose could make a teacher more focused. Um, I mean, I don't like to, and this is again where like I, I get pretty uncomfortable when I talk about like teacher teaching quality because I'm, I haven't spent a lot of time in the classroom and, and I haven't done a lot of research in that area. Um, and certainly when I talk to, to teachers, you know, there's a level of frustration about things that are going on, whether it's 
reforms or just the lack of funding in certain areas or uh, uh, issues their students are dealing with that are very difficult. Um, yeah, and teachers have a really, I spend enough time with teachers have a really hard job. <laughs> right. Um, and that's about as, as, as sort of the most solid thing I think I could say about teaching is it's, uh, it's really not for everyone. Um, and you have to balance that with, and I need them to do it well because I'm right, a member right, right, of the community, right? right, right. right? right. Well, and, and, and I think it is. You're right. This is a tough job. Mm -hmm. I need you to do it awesomely. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there are there are certain other things. I mean, the issue that, that uh, oftentimes in low income, uh, non dama communities, you have teacher turnover that's so high, um, and you you do hear from teachers that uh, you know even if it may not be a, a promotion in terms of money, it is a promotion sometimes to go from working in communities uh, that have more low-income students or more students of color to more affluent communities and wider communities. Mm -hmm. um, and so there are some certainly... Because those are more stressful situations for the people who are in those communities. Yeah. I mean, the, uh -huh. this, the research bears this out of, like, right, right. there's a stress of being in poverty. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Like, and it is it is there. And, and mm -hmm. there is a... So, and it would stand to reason that thereby it would be more stressful uh -huh. in many ways to teach in mm -hmm. communities where mm -hmm. poverty is a, is a chief concern. Yeah, yeah. Um, or if you're teaching cross-ethnically, right? mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. in any way, shape, or form, right. that's going to add more stress right. to it. Yeah, and sometimes teachers just don't have a, uh, uh, you know, an understanding of the place that they're teaching, um, and so there's a disconnect, and, uh, you know, so there certainly are a lot of equity implications in all of that stuff, and even, even this idea of, of teacher quality or teaching quality being unequally distributed is something that I think, at times, people on against the reform efforts, um, sometimes I think don't take seriously enough. Yeah, and I, I don't know that, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's a tough area. I feel like there's a say one thing, do another in mm -hmm. some of those mm -hmm. instances as well. Mm -hmm. it was, it, it, you work in the National Education Policy Center, so I'm sure you know this. Has there been a study of the effects of class size on teacher retention? Uh, I'm sure there has. That would be a is. number I would like to see. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. my hypothesis would be that the smaller your class size, mm -hmm. the longer you're staying in the profession. Yeah, I wouldn't be terribly surprised by it. And there's a lot of other things probably to you know, sort of control for in there, including like salary. And, right. Um, you know, uh, for other elements of professionalism. But um, yeah, the, I mean, I'd, could you get on that, please? <laughs> Are you doing anything this afternoon? You could probably run those numbers. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you, a lot of the, to get back to almost some of the stuff we were talking about earlier, um, you know, I think sometimes the problem is just that we, we don't necessarily engage the other, the other side um, in, in ways that are, that are always meaningful. Right. Um, and that, that can be frustrating. And that's the reason sometimes I just tune out of Twitter and I quit Facebook a while ago because I couldn't stand it either. Um, but it's, it can be it can be difficult because there's uh, there's a lot going on and uh, you know a lot of times I think stuff gets branded about as opinion more than more than anything else and, um, and it, which is fine but uh, well and it's opinion based on experience yeah, as well yeah, right yeah, I mean there's yeah. there's a closed mindedness to it mm -hmm. right like this is my opinion and clearly it must be right yeah yeah but I don't know that I would also say that your opinion is wrong based on your experience. Right, 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 right. So it becomes right. a little difficult to navigate yeah. that space. Yeah. Like, yeah. God, yeah. you're a jerk, but you're probably right <laughs> to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, um, it, I suppose one of the only true things you can probably say right now is that, like education's pretty active. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like state legislation that's um, 
you know, pretty dramatic compared to what we've seen in the past with teacher evaluations or, or school choice. Um, same with I mean, Common Core coming up. Uh, it's, it's a big shift, um, potentially. Uh, and, you know, so you have a lot of um, sort of moving parts that are, that are not like minor. Mm-hmm. Pretty big changes, especially in the scope of, of things. Maybe not the school choice. Well, I, I, no, probably, probably school choice too. Um, but certainly, I think we've seen more movement on uh, teaching quality, teacher evaluations. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see sort of what, if there are states that take, that try to do it, screw up, and maybe create a better system, or that figure out that it's just not going to work the way they think it's going to, right. um, and sort of what they do after that. Um, and then I think it still is like the thing that I think sometimes reformers don't take seriously enough is that you know, if you're doing stuff that really does destroy teaching morale and that makes teachers' jobs a lot harder, you might be working against your own interests. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that can be, um, you know, I think I think more and more people are sort of aware of that. Even Mike Petrilli, who, I, again, another one I don't generally agree with, has, has sort of indicated some of those sorts of things. Like, you know, if, if teachers really are that delusioned or that uh, sort of against some of the things that are going on, it's hard to implement things. <laughs> um, yeah, you kind of want everybody pulling that, in the same direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easier easier said than done. Um, uh, that's, that's for sure. Um, we've, we've killed some good goodwill, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Along yeah, the way in yeah. the last couple decades. <laughs> Everybody's horrible, including you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now do what I tell you to. <laughs> and, and that's, I think that's actually one of the fascinating things, too, is that if you actually, if you asked, you know, 100 people who were involved in education, education reformers, teachers, whatever else, if you were anti-teacher, 99% to 100%, I think, would say, no, I'm not anti-teacher. Mm-hmm. Even, like, um, I'm thinking, like, the Education Action Group, uh, which is a very, I, I mean, they don't hide it, very conservative right-wing organization um, that, that does some pretty questionable stuff, and, and, and certainly uh, I don't know too many people who would characterize them as pro-teacher. I think they would consider themselves pro-teacher. Right. It's just a very different conception of what it means to be pro-teacher. Or at least pro-teacher. not anti-teacher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, we're not for them, but we're not against them. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, so I think a lot of people still recognize that teachers do important work and that they at least have to rhetorically say something nice about teachers. Right. Um, whether their not, actions don't necessarily... Even, yeah, even if their actions don't necessarily match up to what teachers think of as pro-teacher. Um, and at the same time, like, there should be, you know, possibly some... Uh, you know, you need, I think any time someone talks about better teacher evaluations, there is a tendency for some to just paint that as anti-teacher. Right. Um, which... I mean, I, granted, I think if I was being evaluated in some of the ways that, I was, that they, people are proposing, I would think it was anti-teacher too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a lot of the people who are pushing those things genuinely believe they're doing something that is um, uh, both pro-teacher in the sense that it could, in their opinion, give teachers better feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one of the things that, that will be interesting is whether or not teachers believe that the systems that are being in place for evaluations are actually helping them. Because if it turns out that there's a a system that teachers say we hate this uh, and then when it actually happens teachers say oh that actually helped me mm-hmm. you know maybe we can learn something from that but I think there's a good chance that there's things like I'd actually didn't get any additional support from this mm-hmm. um, uh, and it'll be interesting to see if there are any sort of less any models that develop that are less focused on sort of test-based accountability or take that into consideration in a different way um, that actually helps teachers 
Because um, I've definitely talked to teachers who say, yeah, I don't, I've never had what I would consider a meaningful evaluation. Right. Um, or well, I haven't I, had one in a long time. And then the worry being that if, again, if we've, if we've spent so much goodwill mm-hmm. so far, mm-hmm. that even, like, would we notice the good thing? Yeah, yeah. If, yeah. if it happens along. Yep. And I think it's also interesting to, uh, as much as teachers, or sometimes people claim that teachers don't have a way of improving their craft aside from really crappy district professional development, um, which I think is actually one of the places that probably I think everyone agrees, like professional development we could do this better. sucks. Yeah. Everyone agrees that professional development sucks, so focus on that. Um, but I think there are a lot of ways that teachers informally get better. Mm-hmm. So whether or not it's talking to other teachers, um, you know, reading other books, uh, just reflecting on their own practice, that probably doesn't get counted in professional development or, or improving their craft officially. But it certainly is. Right. Um, so it's sort of those informal. And how do you document that? Yeah. And, and how do you yeah. how do you score for it? Mm-hmm. And, and some to use the wrong language. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's sometimes it's just an issue of if we if we don't see something happening, we assume it's not happening, and that's not always the case. Yeah. Um, you know, especially with the the work of what teachers do um, after school or. Uh, you know, in, in some places, the contract language or whatever prevents teachers from evaluating each other, which I, I can partly understand. I mean, I don't know if I would necessarily want to always evaluate people who I'm working with. Right. Especially if you get into the perverse incentive system where, well, I should probably rate this guy poorly because better chance of me keeping my job. Right. Um, or, yeah. <laughs> if we could just shift the language to observe. <laughs> Such a different experience. Or like, yep. co-teach yep. one class with this person. <laughs> See where you guys have this conversation. Right. Uh, but speaking of conversation, the podcast is usually over when I finish my cup of coffee. <laughs> and I have finished an entire small French press of coffee. Impressive. Uh, so I'm going to go sit and do an observation and Sweet. take some field notes. That should go well. <laughs> Kenley, if people want to follow you through some social media, where can mm. they find you writing and talking about these things? Um, I use Twitter quite a bit, so I'm Ken M. Libby on Twitter. Uh, and then I blog a little bit, although I've really stepped back from blogging mostly because mostly because at this point, and in fact I was thinking about this last night as I was getting ready to write something, um, I spend a long time on my blog posts these days. Mm. So I've had two or three that are sort of in the hopper that are two months old, and I'm just like, I'm not ready to put that out there. Uh, so I pretty much have gotten away from just minor commenting and more trying to present some sort of evidence um, or if there's something very specific uh, to write something a little bit more substantial. Um, I mean, I did a little bit of the blogging before that was, you know, oh my god, this is crazy, they're doing this. And uh, I don't mind doing that now, but I like to have, you know, try to gather some data on stuff. Um, you know, I tend to focus on philanthropy, charter schools, uh, sort of the for-profit stuff. Um, which there's a lot there. I mean, even today, there's Pearson had their fourth quarter uh, uh, conference call on revenues and everything, and everything that's happening, and the amazing stuff they were saying about Common Core and you know how great this new market was going to be. And, and so sometimes I think about writing about stuff like that. But, We'd be um, okay with. I speak for the internet. Mm-hmm. I'm like the Lorax of edgy blogging. <laughs> uh, we'd be all right with you throwing some more comments out on the blog. Hmm? I'd be all right with you <laughs> writing more. I'd be, I'd, I would support that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wish I had more time to do it. Um, and and I if wish... I wanted to find the archive uh, of what's been written so far. Yeah, uh, KenMLibby.com. 
Oh, um, you're consistent. It's, yeah, it's you're quite the brand. Extremely consistent. Um, partly because there's, <laughs> there already is a Ken Libby out there who has okay. somewhat of a well relative strong web preference. He's a real estate agent or something. Uh, so I, I had to throw in my middle initial because I couldn't get KenLibby.com. But uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Learning Grounds. I'm Zach Chase. Our intro and outro music comes from New Dance Boy's Mission, and it's called Intro. It's licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. Learning Grounds is also licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. I dare you to say it three times fast. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.